0: there, folks over at CommanderCast.com, MTGCast.com, and CommanderSociety.com. It's time for another episode of Rivals Duel, the show where Noel and I do have a real schedule. We promise. We're not just making it up.
1: Yeah, someday the world will quit kicking me in the metaphorical testicles, and we will be back to every two weeks.
0: So, I know you said metaphorical testicles. But at first, I heard a mouth and my four little testicles, and now I'm uh, I'm I'm very confused.
1: <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I am reminded of an old ba- uh, an old Chinese proverb of someone explaining baseball to a Chinese proverb, and he goes, "Baseball all wrong. Man with four balls cannot walk." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alright, yeah. So we, we apologize for the uh for the absence. There was a good and uh unfortunately quite confidential reason for it, but both of us are good. We're uh we are hopefully back on a regular schedule and we, we should be all good to go.
1: Yes. Yes, for the uh, love of God and all that is holy, yes.
0: <laughs> uh Luckily, we have had some time for some stuff to accumulate in our absence. Not much happened in the magic world while we were gone, right?
1: Yeah. I. Well, there's a ton of stuff. If you like standard, if you're interested in in-store programs with Amonkhet, if you're interested in, uh, oh, what else has happened? Um, Old school PTQs at GPs on day two anymore. Er, anymore. There's a lot of stuff, but as far as the EDH world of magic, not really.
0: Not really. Nothing got banned out of nowhere, right? Uh, Did a card get banned since the last time we talked? I don't think so. (laughs) All right, cool. Um, There haven't been a whole bunch of spoilers, although we have seen the Full Art Lands and reveal that gods are coming back in Amonkhet.
1: Yeah, I wonder if we're going to talk about that later this episode.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Does that seem soon to you?
1: I don't mind it. I'm curious. Okay, the the million peso question is what these gods will look like. I imagine Mm -hmm. they won't be... Like, devotion? Yeah, I don't think they'll be devotion. I don't think they'll be enchantment creatures. I think you're going to see big scary legendary creatures. Maybe and maybe they're more like the Sphinx that they come down as an artifact and you pay X amount of mana into them to turn into gods.
0: Maybe. That'd be oh dear. A,
1: that'd be kind of a cool way to do it. You do like a you have it cost three and it's and you pay you pay X amount of mana to put a devotion counter on it. Hmm. And then once you have so many devotion it becomes a giant indestructible
0: I don't know. I think they might still stick with Devotion, but they might be something other than Enchantments, maybe?
1: Sure. Or Devotion is something other than a color? Could we have, like, Devotion to creatures? Or is there a way yeah, to... like like, like a threshold mechanic of... for
0: each god? Like, the god of the dead requires X cards in your graveyard, the god of wisdom requires X cards in your hand? Sure. Something like that? Sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe. Uh... I was about to say, is it too soon to go back to Theros? And then I looked it up. Theros was four years ago.
1: Yeah, it's it's been a little bit.
0: Oh my god, we were we were doing this podcast when Theros came out, right?
1: Yeah, one of our first episodes is a Theros review. Oh boy, Cause um, because we, we had such great titles like God's Bacon and One First One Commander. <laughs>
0: But man, that is, uh, well, like, even still, that is, uh, no, I guess it's fine. Four years, that's long enough for new gods. Um, it just seems, uh, just seems o- shorter because I'm old and so everything seems closer together now.
1: Right. I am, someone reminded me the other day because I came back to playing Magic regularly in Eventide. Someone oh, pointed my. Someone to me that if Eventide was a child, it would be in third grade. <sighs>
0: Ooh, that's a mean
1: thing. Why'd they do that to right. you? I'm like, that's not nice. Why don't you uh, just continue to kick me in the metaphorical testicle? Um, yeah, go away.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: Uh, Apparently my goal this episode is to see how many times I can say metaphorical testicles. But
0: um, Yeah, it's, uh, what's your quota?
1: Uh, do we have an over-under on this? Um, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, we've got some fan mail, we've got some announcements, and we've got, uh... And then we've got an actual topic for the episode where we're doing a thing. So, let's start with, how about we start with my announcement, then we go fan mail, then do our topic, I guess? Sounds
1: like a beautiful plan.
0: Alright, so my big announcement is that I am on another show! Sometimes. Sort of. The truth is, is that my, uh, my friend Nick Bond, who I have sometimes referenced as a guy who listens to the podcast, he's a big fan of podcasts, decided he was such a big pa- fan of podcasts, he might as well do his own, and he has, uh, started a podcast called Snow Covered Lands. And it's a, uh, Canadian Magic EDH podcast that has a really cool setup. The idea is that the first half of each episode is looking at an old set and kind of doing a retrospective slash set review of an old set, just looking at kind of the best of the best of the cards in terms of EDH, and then the second half of the episode is each host like theory crafts a deck around the set and like shares their concept for a deck that is thematically linked to the set, whether it's using a legendary from the set or build around a keyword or something of that nature. So uh, our first one, given that the podcast is called snow covered lands was on cold snap because God damn it. I'm not doing a retrospective on ice age. Ugh. And no, uh, I'm
1: not, Oh, hang it. I Age. I'm oh, hang it, cold snap. I'm sorry.
0: Cold Snap is awesome. Cold Snap was an awesome set to look at because it's weird, oh,
1: there's so and much... you
0: can get th- there's a lot of garbage, but it's very weird, and you can get a lot of good conversations going about weird stuff. Cards like Thrumming Stone.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say Thrumming Stone, Relentless Rats. Congratulations, you've done what everyone's done with that card.
0: But you get Shadowborn Apostles now.
1: Sure. So if you want uh, to have a, a worse uh, Relentless Rat.
0: They, I mean, there's actually a surprising number of really good cards that came out of Cold Snap. You're forgetting that one of the best commanders ever printed came out of sure. Cold Snap. I mean,
1: there's, there's, there's decent cards in... Z- I, I, Common
0: Deer. I
1: right, I'm thinking of Xur, I'm thinking of Arkham Dagson, I'm mm. thinking of Rhymefeather Owl because I can't get that card out of my head. Um, it's
0: because it was on a deck box, that's why you can't get that card out of your head.
1: Okay. I, like, I'm like, why do I know that card? Or not
0: uh, not deck box, booster pack. Yeah.
1: Okay. Dark Depths is in there. It's also very
0: pretty. It's Dark Depths, yeah, no, there's good stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, I take back what I said. I'm probably, like, having trauma flashbacks, trying to draft Cold Snap.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's not always me. It's not always me on the podcast. He, he has other rotating guests. Um, It has a bit more, it's got a bit of a different flow because it's on in person, which uh, I, whenever I have the choice voice I prefer a core person. Noel and I obviously don't have that option. Um, but yeah, no, so it, it's cool, I, but I am not always on there. I've been on a couple episodes that he's got banked now, I think, but I am not the only co-host. It's Nick and a rotating series of co-hosts. And right now, you can find that podcast up on Commander Society and on MTG MTGcast. Uh, it's not on Commander Cast as of yet, but it might be migrating here at some point. Um he And it's posted bi-weekly as well. So if you just can't get enough of me or you want to see what this Nick guy is about, go uh, go listen. Oh, it's also a longer podcast. I should mention that. We try to keep things relatively short. Like if we run an hour and a half, that's an exceptionally long episode. Those episodes, I think, on the shorter end are an hour and a half. They tend to go to like the longer, like two-hour mark, I, I was think.
1: I say, I imagine with a, a set review plus a deck build, it's probably... There's probably some heavy lifting there.
0: Yeah, it's like it's a yeah, it's an abridged version of both. So like in the set review, you're only looking at like kind of the conversation worthy cards. In the deck build, we don't do it live. We've built decks already and we come and present them and like talk about them and stuff. So it's it is an abridged version of both, but yeah, it's they run longer.
1: Yeah, I imagine and
0: on purpose. Okay. Uh do we want to go into fan mail?
1: Yeah, let's go into fan mail. I'll get mine out of the way quick real quick too. Because um, okay. mine are all technical stuff. Um, There were some issues with the RSS feed. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I don't know exactly what it was. It has to do with the, the website we used to host our RSS. So I had tried to set up a script that would steal it from CommanderCast and spit it to our RSS feed automatically. And obviously I screwed that up because someone's going, hey, I haven't seen the last couple episodes. So hopefully before this episode goes up, I will manually go in and punch the next three through. So uh, to George and anyone else who's getting us directly through the RSS, uh, my bad.
0: Yep. First, uh,
1: my goals of automation.
0: Yep. Um, the other uh, comment we had on that same episode, which we'll talk about, was by Bad Wolf, uh, who was thanking us for the shout out on the episode. He's talking about how much he loves Rishkar's expertise. That means you are an intelligent man, Bad Wolf, or an intelligent lady. I don't know. Um, but then you, he also. He or she also mentioned, uh, I'm surprised you guys had no love for Renegade Rallyer," and goes into this uh, little spiel about things you can do with Renegade Rallier. Uh, the short answer to that is that Renegade Rallier is an okay card, but it's basically just a discount Sun Titan.
1: Sure, and some decks are going to want a discount Sun Titan. Mm-hmm. And if you want that, this card's great. And, and maybe but... we should have given it that nod at least. Like, there's going to be some weenie decks where you can get back literally anything, which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah, but it's like, it's a card that you have to work to make good, and otherwise it's just mediocre. So that's why it didn't get the shout-out. Like, you can't, like, there's all sorts of oddball cards that you can make do good stuff. This is maybe easier than some of them, but it's not, it's very Discount Sun Titan. Uncommon was exactly the right ranking for this card.
1: Mm-hmm. And that being said, not bad. It's not, you know, I would never... I would never scoff at someone with haughty derision for playing this card.
0: I would never poke fun at the guy who played this card. There's a obviously a reason it's in his deck.
1: But As far as that goes, yeah, it's a, it's a Discount Sun Titan.
0: Indeed. So, uh, then I also got sent um, an email from, I'm going to, I'll say his first name on here, Damien, who uh, went back and read some of my old articles, which still exist up on Cast. Uh, and he was saying that as a dedicated mono red player, I immensely respect your hatred of blue. But it's been tempting me lately. The problem is that in mono red, there are very few options for disrupting your opponent's game plan, and even fewer for protecting your own. I find myself at a disadvantage against blue decks. Sure, you can burn their creatures and red has artifact m- removal, but ninety percent of burn spells are useless against large creatures, and most decks do not rely heavily on artifacts. The big problem is neither of these help you disrupt the opponent, so they can't stop you from winning. Black's got targeted discard, blue's got counters, white has several preventative measures, green probably has something too. And he was saying that the only problem that he, the only proactive way he sees to control an opponent in red is mass land destruction, which is a big social no-no, and he just doesn't want to do it. Okay. So, Damien, first of all, thanks for the email. Love the email. Um, I'm going to address two things, one with a very short answer and one with a longer answer. First, green doesn't have anything. Green does not have a proactive way of uh, dealing with an opponent or controlling down an opponent. This is by design. The, and this is what you're finding with red as well, is that red does have a little bit of mass land destruction, but red and green are meant to be proactive colors, uh, which is why they're not very control Right Noel? would you agree with this?
1: Yeah, yeah, I disagree with everything you've said thus far.
0: Yeah, the um the reason you're finding that there's less disruption in all that is because that's the way the color pie was designed. And out, outside of some exceptions, they they try to keep it that way. So, what but you're saying that you can't control your opponents, and that is not true. Uh what you need to do is rethink what your version of control is. So the reason you are... There's a lot less targeted disruption in terms of stuff like uh, blacks, I'm going to get rid of your hands, or blues, I'm going to counter your spells. Uh, But in red, you can make it incredibly painful for your opponents to do things. You can also play some pretty high-value creatures or cards that do a lot of good two-for-ones. Uh, Flametongue Cavu is obviously a good example. Cyclops Gladiator, if you're in Modo Red, is a fantastic example of a card that does crazy two-for-ones. Um, Volcanic Offering is one of the best red spells ever printed. It's got huge value. There's lots of cards like that that are good at doing two-for-ones. One of the most recently printed ones, I think, is Faded Showdown which is a fantastic way in mono-red for you to chuck away your hand to get some more, uh, dig your way through your deck a little bit more, but also burn something at instant speed. Um, But the big thing you have to think of is that you have the ability in red to make it so painful for your opponent to try and do their game plan that they can't afford to do it anymore. And you can do this by playing fast... And with high damage spells, so lots of haste, lots of little creatures, lots of aggro, and that's a really good way to counter big battle cruiser type decks. Because you you hurt them so bad that by the time they get their game plan going, you just kill them. Or you can play stuff like um the Idolin of Revels uh stuff like stuff like mana barbs things that tax your opponent for trying to play with traditional magic ideas like getting you know playing low cost like counter spells and stuff like that, or trying to tap a bunch of land to big play, play big stuff if you can tax an opponent in terms of their health to make it too costly for them to play the way that they intended, and that's the proactive red way of controlling your opponent down.
1: Sure, absolutely. Um just question for you because I mm-hmm. I had this conversation at my at my game table the day. Uh, mana barbs socially contract breaking?
0: Um mana barbs is not socially contract breaking in small doses is what I will say. Mana barbs is um and again, this is my personal opinion. Right, so, I'm, I'm
1: not looking for the Gospel. I'm looking for the Gospel yeah, according to Eric Bonvy.
0: The Gospel according to Eric Bonvi, and the Gospel in Eric Bonvi's experience, has been Mana Barbs is a card that can really hurt and frustrate people, but it's not an outright I instantly hate it card. It's not the same as something like Mindslaver. Mindslaver, I've never seen someone get mindslavered and not get super pissed. Sure. Mindslaver is just not a fun thing to experience. When you play Mana Barbs at a table, people like start to panic and they're like, oh boy, this isn't good, but you can play it and still have a fun game and have not people not be pissed afterwards. The problem with Mana Barbs is the same problem that you can run into with a card like Perforos. For example, Perforos is a really good card to compare to Mana Barbs because they're both dealing a lot of damage very quickly. Um, they're both uh, cards that are going to completely alter the way the game is changed, but not necessarily piss people off. What pisses people off is when they see them constantly. So if you've got Perforos or Mana Barbs in every one of your decks and they keep showing up, it's really going to annoy people. Kind of like Nekusar wasn't a problem until he was.
1: Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Necruzar, Nekusar's problem was not what Nekusar does. It was his exposure. And I feel that way about Mana Barbs.
1: Fair enough. I was just, i am Mana Barbs is in the same category for me as Mind Twist. Okay. That it's in that very gray area to where if if a, if a playgroup as a whole were to decide we don't want to play with that card, I would, not kind of like Vorinclex is another one that yeah, if you'd if understand. the whole playgroup goes, that's not fun, get rid of that. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. And
0: Vorin- <laughs> and, and t- again, oh, most of those cards are based on exposure. To the mm-hmm. point, when you said Vorinclex, I just didn't care, because I don't play against Vorinclex. I can't remember the last time someone played a Vorinclex against me. So it's, like, it was one of those cards where I looked through my cards the other day, and I saw him, and I was like, oh yeah, he exists, he's kind of good, maybe I should make a general of him at some point or something, and then I just kept on going. Yeah. Uh but he, it's one of those things where your mileage will vary based on the the people in the play group and the experiences they've had but those are cards that can upset people but in moderate doses don't sure yeah and, and like any kind of powerful card falls into that category sure
1: i think we kind of Hit the hell in the head on this one. I was just, I'm like, yes, just keep adding more stuff. There's, I, I agree with everything you're saying here. Let me try yeah. to add to the conversation by asking more questions.
0: So, so Damien, if you really want to be a controlly red player, the way to do it is you can introduce a lot of ways to tax your opponent's life for what they do. Um, and then the other thing I would say maybe after that is you can introduce cards like, Stone Shaker Shaman or Wheel of Fortune, uh, and cards that make it winds of change, cards that make it un- create some chaos and make it unusual playing circumstances so people can't play on the same axis they're used to. However, before you do any th- of these things, I would consider going maybe more whole hog on the proactive strategy because that's what red is meant to do. And in my experience, that's where red's going to have the most fun.
1: Mm-hmm. Red control can be sweet though. Whether that's like oh yeah, big red control, or that's like I saw the other day. I saw a Dao Chan deck. That mm-hmm. those decks are hilarious. They're great. They're they're red and controlly. They're very kind of. There's a lot of kind of judo. You did this to yourself type cards in it.
0: Yeah, Diao Chan's great for red control. Um... Giant Ballard's
1: pretty good for red control.
0: Chaya Ballard's pretty good. One of my favorite under-the-radar Red Control Generals is Fumiko. Fumiko the low blood is great for Red Control.
1: Yeah,
0: that would do it. Um, And I think that Grenzo, the new Grenzo, is a very underutilized Red Control Commander. Because you play a lot... He, he turns your aggressive strategy into a control strategy in as much as you're like, yeah, you can keep playing your creatures, but attack them.
1: <laughs> right. Why is... That's a, okay. That's maybe you have it for the time. But why is no one playing that card? Like I feel like that card got no love.
0: I just made a deck out of him, and I think I know why it is. Why? I see the early game happening. Uh-huh. I, I so and now that I've built the deck and I've looked at it, um, I can see that the problem is that you you can perfectly picture the early game, but if anything disrupts your game plan, I have no idea what to do from there. Fair I enough. like I like put an Ugin in, and I put a. Um, a O stone because I was just like, I just need ways to reset the board if things go south. Because there's no way, if my opponent like outpaces, if a token deck gets out a bunch of blockers, if my opponents outpace me for creatures, if something goes sideways, this deck is boned.
1: Or just folds up like an origami paper crane. Fair enough.
0: Yeah, I feel like Grenzo, uh, it, it, you can play a lot of the cool monorail control stuff, and like I said, I just made him. I'm going to try him out. But uh, I do also kind of feel like Grenzo's real power is as one of the 99 in something like a Krenko deck.
1: Sure. Bark, bark. I say it. Wouldn't, can... wouldn't be an episode without uh, Thunder breathing his two cents in.
0: <laughs> Yay! Is that what you think, Thunder? Did I ever tell you that Thunder looks like almost exactly like Isamaru? He did,
1: and then you sent me a picture of him, and you're absolutely correct.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, next, do we have any more email or comments or anything like that? I
1: think that's it. Let's get into the gods, or we should probably talk oh. about what we're doing. <laughs>
0: That would be a good idea. I've talked a lot, Noel. Why don't you talk about it?
1: Sure. We are doing another uh, gauntlet episode where we're taking a a subset of, in this case, commanders and uh, pitting them against each other, deciding who rises to the top, who sinks to the bottom, and in honor of us going to Amonkhet and them revealing those five god cards, including the one that already looks like a pigeon and the one that I am calling Amoncat until (laughs) Here's what's going to happen. They're going to reveal its name, and if I don't like its name, I'm going to continue to call it Ammon Cat.
0: I'm calling it Ammon Cat forever. That's just what it's called.
1: <laughs> yeah, so once we find out its name, I will reevaluate. But for now, there's Ammon Cat, and there's, like, I think we're calling it Mecha Pigeon at my shop. I don't know what the other ones are, but I think there's uh, an Alligator.
0: It, yeah, they're all based on, uh, well, I can... uh I can tell you this because I am a tremendous nerd. Uh, they're all based on actual gods from Egyptian mythology. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's... I'm just pulling up the art now. So the the blue the blue one is obviously meant to be Thoth, Thoth yep. the uh, god of wisdom. The Ammon cat is meant to be uh, Bast, yeah, obviously. Uh, that. That alligator-headed one is meant to be Sobek, the alligator-headed Egyptian god. Uh, I think there's
1: a... There's an Anubis analogy in there. Yeah,
0: there's the the black look, or the one we think is black, is the Anubis one. Um, And then we're missing one, and it's the snake.
1: Yeah, who's...
0: And I... I, Is Set snake-headed? Is that right? Yeah,
1: I'm also a Uh, huge nerd
0: yeah okay yeah there we go so yeah that's there you go we've got uh all of them covered there I was about, no set isn't snake headed isn't he no man Sna- set is uh that's what I thought set is da-da-da-da-da. welcome
1: to mythology cast I'm your host noel Clason <laughs> <laughs> set uh,
0: uh a beast resembling no known creature. Although it could be seen as a composite of an artivark, a donkey, a jackal, or a fennec fox. Hmm. I know there's a snake-headed Egyptian god. That's a thing, but I don't remember his. Uh, I don't remember his name.
1: Uh, does Wadget sound right?
0: Oh, did, uh, are we using our Google foo? Yeah, Google uh, foo
1: it, is it, strong. <laughs> if its name
0: is Wadget, that would explain why I didn't <laughs>
1: Right. It. Never heard that before in my life. Moving on. Watch. Anyway.
0: Wadjet, Egyptian god of who the fuck is this? Yeah,
1: yeah. So we have Wadjet, Mecha Pigeon, and Ammon Cat. Anyway, um, let's... Uh, <laughs> so instead of basically speculating what those gods are going to be, because eventually we will do that, but we've got a while till Ammon Cat comes out, we're looking at some older gods, some Greek gods, which older, uh, there was a joke there, but I can't find it. Theros, We're going to look at the 15 Theros gods, and we have VR. both independently ranked them from first to worst. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go back and forth and see what happened as far as who we like, who we don't like. And uh, this will be really interesting. Something we noticed is there are a couple, for me there were two that shot right to the top right away. And Absolutely. And about arguably five for me that are kind of, yeah, you're actually bad.
0: I would say that between my my third and my eighth eighth to ninth, you could switch almost any one of those God's positions with very little argument yeah. there there's like the margins that I used to decide the like tops three through five were the tiniest things let them through
1: yeah and I I and the more I look at my list there's more there's one that's like that's too high and I mm-hmm. I know it's too high because I built from the bottom up that's, yes that's a lie I put one and two down and then I built from the bottom up
0: mm. so we will uh I think we're gonna start at 15 and just go at it
1: yeah I think so let's talk about God <laughs> let's talk
0: about no man let's talk about God
1: <laughs> All of the gods.
0: <laughs> All the gods. I tried to do it in the, my best, the dude stoner voice I could. <laughs> <laughs> no, bro, that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> I've got an alternate fact for you here.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How about uh what was the the quote from Big Bang Theory when Sheldon's st- like I will spend the rest of my days here in Texas teaching evolution to creationists. Evolution is your opinion. No, mom, evolution is a scientific fact, and that is your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, sweet merciful Jesus. Gods! Gods, we're going to talking about the Theros gods. See which ones rise and fall. Um, I guess let's start with number fifteen, which you're going to be proud of me.
0: Uh, I mean, I I will. I is. Uh, do we have the same number fifteen? We might. Is your fifteen mono blue? No, absolutely not. Oh, mine is. Okay, cool. So we're gonna go into this. Your your number fifteen. Yes. You think the worst of the gods is Thassa, god of the sea? Now,
1: now, Asterix. Oh dear! Right. Okay. As a general, here's the problem with Thassa. Okay. Is she sits in a she in a she's wants to make creatures unblockable, which is not something I want to do in a blue deck. Okay. She scribes, but she doesn't draw cards, and I'd way rather have like if I'm going to play mono blue and have a utility card as my general, I'll play a zombie so I can actually draw the cards versus just look at them. And she's a hard one to get and keep activated because, with the exception of like a couple of enchantments, there's really not a lot of blue cards you want to play. Like, and admittedly, your mind immediately goes to like Future Sight, and that's one of the good ones. Mm-hmm. Did and you try and make a Thassa deck? No, no. Okay, I had this conversation in my head. Um, all
0: right, it's just that you 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 sound like someone who's been hurt before.
1: <laughs> no, it's... I I looked at it and thought about it, and and she and and here's the thing about this: all of these gods are fine. This is none of mm-hmm. this is. None of this is, I don't know, like, insert bad legend here. No one is Ramirez de Petro. Like, if you wanted to build a Thassa deck, because that's your jam, go for it. There's just so many better options in Mono Blue. And she's great I, as a as a one of the 99, because occasionally she'll that... turn on and be great. But as far as as a general, eh.
0: Okay, uh, I wasn't just ranking them as generals. I was ranking them as holes. Oh, see, I rank so... them just as generals. So our list will okay. vary a little. Might vary a little because Thassa, Thassa is. I think many of your arguments stand for Thassa as a general. Uh, aggro in mono blue isn't great. Um, the turning her on is not necessarily easy. Uh, at the beginning of Europe, keeps crying one is not as good as drawing. This is all true. I like the fact that she's cheap, I like the fact that she's indestructible. But, uh, as one of the 99, there's so many decks that just love Thassa, Edric. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rafiq, all of those guys, they just can't get enough of facets, It's one of the best cards in the deck, so I can't imagine... she She's in my top ten.
1: Okay, and and if I were doing... I did just as generals, so... Okay. Our list may... Well, I don't think our top two are going to change, but...
0: Uh, <laughs> might change which one is which.
1: Uh, no, I still hold by it, but... <laughs> uh, maybe not. Anyway. Um, actually, yeah, it would swap them if I did it by... Never mind, I'll be quiet. Um, okay. Yeah, just, as, just as a general, there's so many better, like, I, I and part of me is, this is part of just my deck building philosophy with EDH. I look at a general as a card I always am going to have access to. And mm-hmm. if I have to pick a mono blue option of cards I already have access, always have access to, there's three, four off top of my head I'd rather have.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. I agree with that, but I still think that is is great. Did I tell you that I'm on the verge of making a mono blue deck? Really? I am. Uh, I'm about an inch away from making a mono blue under a hundred dollars Teferi deck, just to prove that mono blue doesn't need a wallet to be an absolute douche.
1: Oh, creature to fairy or creature to fairy? Okay. Huh
0: um my number 15 is also a monocolor general but not the mono blue one it is the mono green one nylea god of the hunt
1: oh good She's. i was worried that was going to be a pet card of yours because she's hanging out near the bottom of my list too
0: oh no this is not pet card this is garbage this is unsalvageable trash <laughs> okay so the problem with nylea god of the hunt it's not as a card in stasis completely isolated from everything else it's not that bad it's uh four mana which is relatively cheap in green and doesn't compete with cultivate in kodama's reach mana um it's indestructible which is always good as a creature it's a six six which in green you feel like it should be bigger uh other creatures you control have trample is an okay ability and being able to pump creatures for plus two, plus two is an okay ability. It's very expensive on this card, though. The problem with Nylea is that she does all the stuff that Green already does, like, right. a half to a third as good as all the other cards do it. Right. She's just nowhere near any of the cards that have already been printed.
1: Yeah. And, and here's the thing is about Nylea. All of the stuff that you want her to do is already being done by your green cards. I'll give you a hint. Exactly. You want to make your fatties have trample? Most of your fatties already have trample.
0: Already have trample. It would be like if Perforos's thing was. It, it, it's the problem with Eurobrask as a general. Eurobrask, yes. I, I keep wanting to make a Eurobrask deck because he's the Flash, and I keep wanting to make a Flash-themed deck, because he he goes fast, and he goes so fast that everyone else seems to go slow. That's really cool as a concept, but all the a lot of good cards in red already have haste or give haste. So Eurobrask is good as one of the 99, but not good as a general. Nylea isn't even good enough to be one of the 99.
1: Yeah, I I agree with everything you said, so much so that I'd like to move on to number 14. Uh-oh, which is Nylea, the <laughs> god of the hunt. Yep, absolutely. Right. We're done talking about her then.
0: <laughs> uh, do we want to Let's see if my number 14 is around the same as your uh number 13. Let's see if the pattern holds, but I feel like this guy might be a pet card for you. Okay. It's another monochromatic one.
1: <laughs> uh, maybe not
0: heliod god of the sun
1: <laughs> uh lone i have it higher than it's within my bottom five
0: gotcha yeah no heliod god of the sun is again doing a lot of the stuff that white likes mm-hmm. um do it other creatures you control have vigilance is a weird like it, it, it is good it's positive the fact that he's indestructible is is good um the fact that he makes enchantment cleric tokens is really what makes him good. But god damn, it costs four to do it.
1: Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. I love something that... I love armies in a can as much as the next guy, but four mana for a one-one?
0: That, I mean, there is there is a line. There is a line that must be drawn at some point, And four <laughs> mana for... A, not a one-one, a two-one.
1: Oh, it's two-one. <laughs> Still.
0: Two-one. Instant speed, four mana for a two-one. So, the only thing good... About his ability-causing four is that it gives you something to do with your mana if you end up hellbent in mono-white.
1: Yes, it does. (laughs)
0: Uh, But yeah, that's not where you want to be. This card is not good. I I was tempted to put it slightly higher because there's some really situational ways to make him awesome. There's some cards that combo really well with him because of the enchantment thing. Um, Newest Odrick. Works really well with him because you can give your whole team indestructible. But these are really, really corner case. And all the other corner case good generals come up more often,
1: quite yeah. frankly. Yeah, the only place I've seen this be just devastating is in a Daxos the Return deck.
0: Yes, I can see that.
1: Where it's but watch like me, watch me cheat with it. But for the most part, it makes really expensive tokens. And that's still a lot of mana for a yeah. Daxos the Return deck. Mm-hmm. All right. So all right. 14, so 13. Uh-huh. uh, do you want to go first this time? I feel like I'm no hit, i w- I'm I want hit, you I'm I want you flag. to go first, okay, okay, because I'm pretty sure this is a card where you're gonna go no, this card is fine, and this could easily be in that mushy middle. I've just every time I've seen it played it never gets the mileage it looks like it should get mm mm-hmm. and my my number thirteen is mogus
0: i <laughs> I don't disagree,
1: okay, it's not
0: okay. my number thirteen, but I don't disagree
1: like. The card, when you look at it, you're like, cool, they either sack a dude or take some damage, and that'll build up over time. For the most part, though, you have 40 life in Commander, which means you can pay this about 15 times before you care. Yep. And sack, or or you just, I'm a token deck. I can make infinite dudes. Or, I'm a marino of el toth deck. I'd be happy to sacrifice a dude for you.
0: <laughs> Mogus is, so, the one of the coolest Mogus decks I have ever seen, uh, and I think maybe the only one that has ever worked was I saw a Mogus creatureless Rakdos hate enchantments deck. So it ran a lot of stuff like Lethal Vapors, a lot of, like things of that nature, you know what I mean? Like a lot of stuff that played on the fact that didn't have Pyrohemia uh, and Pestilence. Lots of cards like that. Lots of enchantments that could turn on Mogus, but still play on the fact that they did not run any creatures at all. Okay? Sure. That deck, when it worked, was cool. I don't know that I would call it good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and that's... I feel like your mileage will... You'll never get the mileage out of Mogus you want to.
0: No, he just does not have... Mogus suffers a lot from... uh, Colligan Syndrome, where it's not designed for EDH. This card, I feel like, was designed for Limited or Standard, where that two damage really would have mattered... And the most heartbreaking thing about it is that everything else about Mogus is awesome. His art is amazing. That armor is so cool looking. Mm -hmm. He is so cool looking. That axe is so cool looking. Uh, He's cost four, which is a really good cost for a god. And he's a seven five. Seven power on an indestructible creature is awfully good when it's your general. But man, the rest of him is just not... It's not doing anything. It's just it doesn't make the value it needs to.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's that's all I got in Mogus. Number thirteen for me, Mogus, God of the Slaughter.
0: So my number thirteen is thirteen for all the reasons that you said, Mogus. Uh, he's a god that looks arguably even better than Mogus on paper, uh, and I've just never seen him do anything. I've never seen him accomplish a goddamn thing. Uh, and now that his little homeboy's been banned, I feel like he's not gonna do this anything hard. even more. Oh,
1: okay, I was trying to—I th- had it down to two in my head.
0: Yep, Krufix, God of the Horizons. Um, Crewfix costs five, which is on the higher end for the gods. He's a four-seven, which is useless when your creature's indestructible. Um. No maximum hand size? Okay, I'll take that as a nice bonus to whatever the other thing is. But the other ability is unused mana, doesn't empty from your mana pool, it becomes colorless and sticks around. That's not as useful as you hope it would be. Right. A lot of people look at this and they're like, oh, it's Simic Omnath. This is not Simic Omnath. This isn't even close to Simic Omnath. (laughs) Colorless mana is not as helpful as you might hope it to be. And usually if you're making so much colorless mana that storing it matters, you don't need to store it. Right. <laughs> this card is just like it's it's never this card ended up at 13 because I on paper it seems like it should be good and it seems like it's doing the things this this kind of color wants to do. But I've never seen it impress me. I've never seen it get played and felt anything other than meh.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's pretty low on my list, but he's kind of in that mushy middle for me. I want it mm. to be good. God, I want it to be good.
0: But it's just not. <laughs> yeah. Every time you look at him and you look at Prophets, uh, or uh, Prime Speaker Zagana, you just go, where did things go so wrong?
1: Right. Like there's, <laughs> And the other problem is also its competition. Like, Blue-Green is stacked with really good generals
0: absolutely and that's
1: the worst one
0: and i will uh go into my number 12 immediately and say
1: mogus isn't that good (laughs) (laughs) yeah moving on yeah well my number 12 is not going to take a long time because healy is not that great either
0: (laughs) yeah so we're kind of in the top uh bottom five which brings us to number 11 which is interesting because it's the last it's the last of the bad 10 for us
1: sure right
0: did you did you already say? Okay, go ahead.
1: So my number eleven is actually a god I play. I have this deck, and I enjoy the hell out of it. Okay. But, but I also accept that compared to the other ones, she ain't that good.
0: Uh oh. Okay.
1: Um, this is Farika, God of Affliction.
0: Okay. Uh, go ahead.
1: I I I like the card. I, like I said, I like the card. It's got some built-in graveyard hate. It does interacty interesting things. But I fully accept that of all the things that my cool god card could be doing, this is like the fact that she costs three makes her really good. And now I'm starting to regret this pick because I look at a couple of the other ones on this list. But mm-hmm.
0: I will say that Farika almost was my 11, but made it into number 10 by a hair because okay. I think the one I put at 11 is just slightly worse. Farika, the reason Farika ended up at 10 instead of 11 is because the snakes have death touch. That was
1: the the only thing that changed. That's fair. Okay. I was worried you had Farika as like, that was my number five.
0: (laughs) No, Farika's at 10 instead of 11, uh, because the snakes have death touch. Um, exiling creatures from your own graveyard to make tokens is not what, really, what you want to do in Golgari. You kind of want to recycle those creatures. You can do better things by exiling them, usually, than just getting a 1-1 death touch. Uh, Having graveyard hate that helps your opponent also isn't that great, but I know my friend has made a kind of group hug, group slug theme deck around this that he really, really likes. Uh, I also think that as as a general, the fact that this thing turns on and beats face can be—I've seen it be super relevant— the fact that it's hate when you need it is relevant. The fact that it costs three is very good. Like, it's it's a really big mix of highs and lows. Um, So it, it made it into the top ten by this much, because the snakes have Death
1: Touch. Right. You can also play politics with this card. Absolutely. Like, ooh, that's a big guy swinging at you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How would you like a Death Touch snake?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, there's lots of stuff that this is a card that is the opposite of uh, Krufix and Mogus. It is better in practice than it is on paper. Yeah. If you were judging this on paper, you'd probably say eh, it belongs in the bottom five. But this is a god that, when it actually hits the battlefield, matters more often than you'd think. Mm-hmm. Um, my Now that I've explained that my number 10 is Farika, so we'll just skip past that when we get there. But my number 11, the one that just got edged out by Farika... Is another female, and it is Afara, god of the police.
1: So obvious sting joke here, like. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I actually so Afara is one for me that I've been kind of like somebody. Somebody in my meta built an Afara deck, and I laughed at it. I'm like, you're kidding me, right? But when all of your creatures say draw a card on them. It's actually okay. It's not... Now, don't get me wrong. It's not... It's it's still... It's in my mushy kind of middle area, and it's coming up pretty quick. But Mm. as far as, like, what expectation versus reality for me, reality was way better than what I expected. I thought this was a card that did nothing, and it does something, which is... It does do something. I'm
0: I'm not trying to say this card is useless. It does do something. The reason I made that God of the Police joke is because my Nick, the... uh, Oh, I should mention the Farika deck I mentioned earlier was done by Nick the uh, the new host of the Snow Covered Land podcast and he also made Afara God of the Police and it's nothing but police themed cards. <laughs> it's nothing but cards like Rule of Law and Justice Cars and stuff like that. And that deck is not as bad as it should be considering the cards it has to run to be on theme. Right. But the reason a Afara ends up as number 11, and in the bottom 5 is because she is, as far as me looking at the gods, and double-checking, making sure I'm not wrong about this, yeah, other than maybe Mogus, she's the only god that's throttled. Her power is set at a very hard limit. It's one extra card. And I understand why that's the case, but it's only ever one extra card on each turn. I've played against a really, really tuned, uh, back when I used to play one-on-one EDH, and when I want to say it was around the cons block, when the gods had come out, but and they'd been out for a little, little while, there was a guy who was trying to make Afara into a, a really competitive deck, and I just consistently stomped all over it. Like, it was not... As scary as he needed it to be, he was trying to make it basically Pope that drew cards, and it just wasn't happening. Um, this card will get you stuff. It this god does stuff. It will get you places, but in order to get like the real value out of it, you've got to build an entire engine. And even then, the card li- the card limit on your draws is very throttled. So I don't like it for that reason. Fair enough. Uh, are we at your number 10?
1: Um, yes. My number 10 has, uh, is Crew We've kind of beat that horse already, but, Mm -hmm. um, like you said, it's, it seems like it's going to do great, amazing things. And then you realize I have a pile of colorless mana. (laughs) Unless you've got a really good and the problem is green has one good dump for a pile. Well, that's not hundred percent true. But it's not like It's red. got one
0: and you know how you can tell that it's got one good dump? Because you said it's got one good dump and everyone listening knew exactly what card you were talking about.
1: Right. But and there's there's a couple other ones. But if we don't, if this had if this were the red blue god or the red green god, can you imagine this was the red green god? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Like,
0: well, I mean, the red green god is pretty good, right?
1: Right. Not if this color, if this card was red green instead of red blue, it would see some play. It would, it would completely, re- you know, who it would completely replace? Roshin Miranda lives in everybody's binder forever if yeah. <laughs> this card is red green, but it's not. It's red blue, and I don't need like blue green, or it's. I'm sorry, it's blue green, and mm-hmm. uh, sorry, Krufrix and Caranos are right next to each other in the visual spoiler, so <laughs> um, yeah, it's just this card. I want it to be good. It's just not.
0: Yep, and as I said, my number 10 is Farika, so we are firmly in the top 10 now. Number 9, who is your number 9?
1: So in cards that don't get as much mileage as they should, because Commander is a format as opposed to, say, Standard or something, my number 9 is Keranos.
0: I put Keranos higher up because I've seen Keranos be very scary. In fact, I put Keranos significantly higher up.
1: Um, and I suppose, like, the now that I kind of think about this a little bit, the Keranos is one that I think at one point was as high as four on my list, um, mm-hmm. and, and these middle ones, the, they're, the depth is by inches, but, uh. They're
0: very swappable, yes. Yeah.
1: Um, it's just like, if I'm drawing an extra card on every player's turn, like, this plus Consecrated Sphinx is cool, but Consecrated Sphinx is also just cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and three damage is not insignificant, but also not, like, backbreakingly so. hmm Like, it can be really hard to deal with, you're either just shooting a player, which three damage is enough to be annoying, but not enough to actually get the job done, or you're killing a creature that may be relevant. Like, three three doesn't kill fatties.
0: mm -hmm. I have some arguments in Fikaranos' favor, but he's far enough on my list that I want to save those for when I get to him. Sure. Uh, So, I'm going to talk about number nine, which I'm going to say is the last of the, like, gods I consider pretty b- low-end, mediocre gods. Okay. Uh, after this, we're kind of in the middling category where they very much vie for that top spot, or, or very, where they can very much vie against each other and then we get to, like, the top three where they outclass the others by a mile. Um. So my last of the middling gods is Karametra, God of the Harvests.
1: Yeah, and, I, can, I, I can see this. Go ahead. Yeah, and
0: Karametra, again, is, like, I have seen a good Karametra deck. Um, it's just that it's not as good as the other decks that do the same thing. Karametra is not as good as Titania. Karametra is not as good as Azusa. Karametra is not as good as Sylvalla either one of the sylvalas uh and for that reason i don't like karametra that much that being said you can play a karametra deck and it can be good i'm not trying to diss out this card too much it just isn't as good as any of the other gods in my opinion
1: yeah and i kind of agree like karametra is good but there's things that do what karametra does better absolutely so that puts us at eight, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'll briefly talk about my eight first, sure. Uh, because my eight is Thassa, which okay. ended up a lot higher than yours because I was thinking of it other than a general.
1: Yes, there's that would be why. <laughs> Mm-hmm. If I was, if I had tossed in my ninety nine, the card probably would have ended up somewhere around here. My number eight is Afara for reasons I've pretty much already hammered home. I like drawing cards. I also will admit there's a complete bias. Like my my favorite words on magic cards are draw a card, mm-hmm. and I break it out. For example, ancestral visions is draw a card, draw a card, draw a card.
0: <laughs> All right, so now um, we're at number seven, and this is where it really started to break my heart trying to determine which gods were better. So my number seven, I'm actually upset that he's as low down as he is, but everyone else had a a good to decent reason for being above him. So this is like a pet card that I had to put lower down on the list. And my my number seven is Athreos.
1: Oh, and see, I have him a little bit. I'll there's not that much room, but I have him a little bit higher
0: mm-hmm athrios is a super 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 cool card i think athrios is awesome if i was to play Orzov, athrios is in the top three list of generals i would want to play like the absolute top general i probably want to play in Orzov is uh ghost uncle karlov i think is an amazing general uh and then it's Probably Athreos, actually. Immediately after Ghost Uncle is probably Athreos. I really, really like him. But all the other gods that are going to appear above him had very good and very convincing reasons for why they appeared above him. So Athreos is lower, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I have him coming up. We're on seven, right? Yeah. Uh, My seven's Karametra, and we kind of already covered everything happens. Like, this, this card is fine, but... You can get better versions of it. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. uh, Number six. Do you want to say your number six?
1: Sure. Hi, Athrios. I've missed talking about you. <laughs> uh, it's it's just like you said. The The card is... It, it's good, and it does things, and it's a cool Orzov card, but mm-hmm. there's just... It's never... The mileage is never as good as it looks. It's still... It's not like... It's not like Farika Crewfrick's. The mileage is never as good as it looks because this card is still very good, but mm-hmm. just the other ones are just better.
0: Absolutely. Uh, My number six is Keranos, which we also talked about. So the reason I really like Keranos is that Keranos is a is it general that you can build any way you want and still get a tremendous amount of value. If you don't build to draw on your opponent's turns, you are still starting off your turn every turn with a indestructible potential six five, might not be a creature, but an indestructible thing that is either gonna let you lightning bolt something or draw an extra card. So if you just wanna play, is it I have a dream, it, like I'm gonna build what this specific thing that I want and is it and I don't know what else to play with it, I you can play Keranos and it's awesome. Because every other one of the generals hat pushes you in a very specific direction and is it. In my experience anyway.
1: Or are unplayable garbage.
0: Or are unplayable garbage.
1: Tiber and Lumina doesn't say you have to do anything except play blue and red spells, but on the other <laughs> hand, you're playing Tiber and Lumina. Yeah, but I you got do... this had the draw an extra card thing on it. I feel dumb. Karanos should probably yeah. higher on my list.
0: Karanos is. uh... Karanos will let you have any dream you want, and is it and make it work. Mm-hmm. And Noel, if I was to make a artifact themed is it deck, Karanos is a general I'd play.
1: Oh no, I'm holding out for a hero, baby. I bet. <laughs> I might be waiting a long time, but...
0: Yeah, they're going to print it in Amonkhet just to mess with you.
1: You know what? If they do, great. I finally have <laughs> it. I just want a deck that Bosch and Memnart can hold hands and skip into the moonlight together. That's so much <laughs> to ask. Anyway...
0: Alright, so who's your number six?
1: My number six is... Uh, you already got that. It was Athreos.
0: Oh, okay, there we go. Yeah, that's right. So we are now officially in the top five. Yep. And we have, I think, the exact
1: same five gods left over. So remaining for me in no particular order, Erebos, Eros, Phoenix, Xenagos, Puff Puff. Yep, I I
0: noticed that those are the five remaining for me.
1: Okay, so we are right in the right thing. My, Mm -hmm. I am arguing with myself even to this moment about swapping two. Like five and four in my mind are swapping back and forth as we speak.
0: Okay, um, five and four are in their places for the same reason, so, like, I don't care about swapping them back and forth.
1: Sure, um, my fifth right now is Eros.
0: That is my number five.
1: Okay, I wonder just how much these are gonna, I feel like there's only, well, one and two could be swapped, or, anyway, sorry, I'll quit speculating ahead, but, mm. uh, Eros is a good card.
0: Eros is a very good card.
1: It's a big, scary, it's another of my red-white, rangey combat generals.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Eros is also kind of like, uh, Karanos, where I think that if you're playing Boros and you don't quite know what you want to build, Eros is a general to build.
1: Yeah, it does things, and its and its stuff is all fine, it gives you a very, it gives you an aggressive front, but not, like, just combat aggressive like you'd get from, like, Gisela or, Mm -hmm. um, Arulia. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I think Eros is, I, I think Eros is the best Boros general available right now. I think he's incredibly powerful.
1: Uh, Bruce Tarl might give you a little bit of run for your money.
0: Bruce Tarl is cool. I really like Bruce Tarl. I think Eros is better. I think the prevent all damage that would be dealt mm-hmm. to attacking creatures and making them harder to block is huge. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's a three-hit swing.
1: Oh, yeah, he's he's in the three-hit club. Never mind. Yeah, probably Eros.
0: <coughs> yeah, Eros is very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. If you've ever had to fight against a deck playing Eros at the helm... Oof, mm. blah, trying to stop the damage is a nightmare. Yeah. Alright.
1: So, that's so we're at number four. Four is for me, Phoenix.
0: Okay, so our, my number four is Phoenix.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's just hold hands together and skip out of the moonlight. Mm-hmm. Phoenix is crazy powerful, but it's a mill <laughs> deck.
0: Mm hmm. Phoenix made a. Uh, before. Before Phoenix was printed I would have said that playing mill is silly and stupid. Phoenix makes a, a a strategy that is still objectively silly and stupid, plausible. Yeah, viable. So yeah, it's good. Like <laughs> he you if you make Phoenix, you make you put in all the best mill cards and then you put in a bunch of black and blue cards that have big butts. And that deck lie. will regularly win games. Yeah that 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 deck is like legi- it's not even like oh it's better than you th- like it's legitimately good and threatening it will win games all the time
1: yeah like which before you would play what murkovask or uh, oh yeah like
0: Myoplasm, some people tried to do yeah. like you did some really desperate things trying to do make the mill thing uh there was the murfolk dude ambassador Laquatus, i think oh yeah he's like pay into, um Oh, and uh, Una.
1: Oh, yeah. People would try to go... You'd make infinite mana with Una and win, sure. Yeah,
0: Una or Geth. People tried doing some weirdness with Geth. Yeah, like, it's just... There was lots of ways people tried to make the mill thing work. Here's the thing. Almost every card we just named goes into the Finax deck. But yeah. Finax does it better.
1: Yep. Not to mention, there not it that werewolf card where you just, I win the game?
0: Uh... In the left
1: build Phoenix, we talked about it. But, anyway.
0: Oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so number three, I, I'm almost certain our number three is going to be exactly the same.
1: Is he the god of the dead?
0: He is, in fact, the god of things that are not alive.
1: <laughs> yeah, Airbus uh, is a good card. It says Erebus, draw a card on it.
0: Airbus is a really good card. He also ends up in a lot of decks.
1: Yes. Like,
0: that's, that's the reason he beat out the other ones for number three for me was that Erebos, in addition to being a very good general, ends up in a lot of decks.
1: It's an indestructible greed that sometimes turns into, what, a 5-6?
0: Yeah, 5-7.
1: Oh, yeah. So, yeah, like I said, it's an indestructible greed, which I play greed in a lot of decks I shouldn't play greed in, but... Mm-hmm. Let's not forget
0: that he says your opponents can't gain life.
1: Yeah, you're... That, that matters. matters. <laughs> your Aloro player will cry
0: delicious salty tears of pain
1: which is fine because yeah. that's pretty much what every aloro player deserves yes as somebody who has thought about and or built aloro yeah yeah yeah
0: <laughs> all right so this is the big one
1: yep tumber
0: new all right number two go ahead who's your number two noel
1: okay my number two is xenogos tell me i'm wrong uh, my number two
0: is Xenagos, got of <laughs> Revels. <laughs> All right. Yes. No, Xenagos is an amazing commander.
1: Yeah, this card's real, real good. If you
0: don't agree with us, it's because you haven't played against a Xenagos deck yeah. or played with a Xenagos deck yeah. or been across the room while someone else played with a Xenagos
1: deck. Right. Like this is the this is the commander for my you're just learning how to play commander. Here's a commander deck deck.
0: It it's uh anyone who likes gruel like yeah. i still think it's the best gruel commander um it gives haste and more power these are huge hugely beneficial things um it's a god so it's hard to kill i like just recently took apart my zenigo stack uh because i regularly rebuild it and play with it it's so much fun haste is my favorite keyword giving these creatures double power in addition to, like, the crazy shenanigans you can do with stuff like Malignus. Um, it, it just makes everything into a threat. Your Flametongue cavu hits for eight.
1: Yeah. It's it's silly and dumb,
0: <laughs> silly dumb. And but it's like that's what a gruel player wants. Yeah, silly dumb, fast and big.
1: Sure, uh, and I can, it I can kill real one player good. with regular damage while I'm beating the other one's face with Xenagos. Like
0: it, exactly. Okay. So it's just it's there are no complaints to be had about Xenagos at all. If you are looking at playing gruel for the first time, this is the guy I'd recommend you start off playing. He'll give you a good idea, and he lets you explore so many other so many cool cards in gruel sure. because outside of just play creatures that can hit stuff, things are wide open like there's i you, do you want to play a lot of creatures and something like Rurikthar do you want to play something where there's like tribal theme to it do you want like what whatever he's gonna help you do whatever you want to do, man.
1: Yeah, I'm going to build a prey upon deck and name it Fight Club.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and it'll win.
1: <laughs> yeah. Here's here's the other thing I like about Zenegos, even though we've kind of rambled on enough about that, is that I feel like every deck, any deck you build, has to have just kind of a certain level of power level to it. Like, you've got kind of a, a sum of its parts power level. And some decks will do this through mm. synergy, some decks will do this with just powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Zenegos gives you so much power in a single card that it gives you room to play, like, five hokey fun cards. Like, I've never played Girl Rage Beast before, but Girl Rage Beast seemed like a cool card. And I can get away with playing it in Xenagos because I can hide behind his giant muscly torso.
0: Exactly. And the art on Xenagos. Oh, man. Also
1: really I... cool.
0: Uh, arguably the best of all the gods. Keranos' art in foil is really pretty, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Xenagos is like, oof, the detailing and all the and and just the scale of it. From a story standpoint, he's so much more important than almost all the rest of the gods. uh, uh, On every possible cylinder, this card is a winner.
1: Yeah, And yet... (laughs) And yet it faces...
0: And yet it faces the number one spot.
1: I'm right. No. Okay. So everyone who I want to take a second, and I'm looking right at you, person who always calls me a mindless blue shill. Look at look at me right now. I'm talking to you.
0: <laughs> look at me. Look at me. Right. I am the mono red player now.
1: No, no, no. no. <laughs> I put a mono blue of a list of fifteen cards, one of which was mono blue. I put the mono blue card fifteenth and the mono red card number one. Well, so, you had
0: a real good reason for doing that.
1: Right. But for everyone who just says I'm a shameless blue like oh it's blue so no likes it or oh it has card advantage so no likes it okay the second one is still true but i'm not a minus blue shell because this is pretty much the most powerful one
0: oh by like scary margins right like it's like it's one of those things where it's you think Xenagos is powerful and you're like and xenogos is objectively powerful but then perfros kind of looks over his shoulder at him, and he's like, you're cute. you have to go to the combat step, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy, so Purphoros can also increase your your creature's power level. People forget about that,
1: yeah, because that
0: first ability one. is so scary,
1: right like it's everything shocks you, like my Hordling outburst does six to the table,
0: mm-hmm. Um Perforos obviously a big reason he ended up here is that Xenagos doesn't appear in the 99 as often as Perforos does. Because Xenagos like Xenagos appears in the 99 fairly often, but there's a lot of decks that benefit from just being like, "Oh yeah, I make a lot of creatures, let's throw this guy in here."
1: Yeah. Oh, he should be in Naya walkers. Why is he not in Naya walkers? Sorry, <laughs> I have to go I have to go buy another copy of Perforos tomorrow. Excuse me. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um he is I mean, he comes out pretty early, he costs four, and then you just start playing cards and your opponent dies just because you're playing stuff before you do anything else. If there was any color that you don't want to have dealing extra damage to you, it's red. And he deals extra damage on every single creature entering the battlefield.
1: Right, like spells that are at best hokey limited fodder Mm. are just terrifying, like dragon fodder. Oh yeah. Four to the table good. and I get two one ones.
0: Yeah, and it's every opponent. That's
1: the other thing. Right. If this said it, if this had target, it would be th- the card would still be good. The card would still be in my top five, probably. And in that it, mushy middle area. But But it would be less than Xenagos. Yeah. It wouldn't be close. It'd probably be less than a couple of the other ones on this list.
0: But Hordling Outburst now reads make two goblins if you're playing in a four player game also deal 12 damage
1: yeah it's like here (laughs) for two mana because you have a god
0: (laughs) i used to play i used to play perforos just because the doing the math involved in figuring out how much damage i had dealt in a single turn made me smile he is the nuts and in mono red he is on more often than he's not.
1: Yeah, red has a pretty good job of, and and what it is is that red goes wide, where whereas like black, you'll have things. Oh, this just this frickin' obliterator has four black symbols. Thanks. Versus Perforos, I have twenty-four cards in play.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly, you'll end up with a lot of stuff that has one to two mana symbols, and suddenly Perforos is also hitting, and. That's That extra damage from your god swinging matters a lot more in Purphoros than it does in the other decks, because these people have already taken damage for each creature you've already played. If you played four other creatures with one red symbol in them in order to turn on his devotion, and that was the only damage you've dealt all game, each one of your opponents has taken eight before Purphoros swings.
1: Yeah, it's just the The return on this card is insane. It's not. This is not a. You don't have to be a, like the smart marks. This is not a secret underground tech card. Anyone who didn't see this coming is, if not number one, if not number two, number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this is. No one was shocked by this. I'm sure our middle picks were interesting. This one is really not.
0: Yeah, no, I love Purphos. I can't. Uh, I wonder how good Sobek will be in terms of standing up to Purphos, but I have no illusions that he will be weaker because there's just no chance.
1: Right? I don't. And I don't want another powerful. No. That god, that powerful in mono red. It's.
0: No, I want a. Mo- turn.
1: How about a mono I green one that's
0: yeah, I want another mono red god that's playable. Yep. But I do not want anything that even tries. If it tries to outperforose perforos, I don't want that card to exist.
1: <laughs> right. And same. And I'll say this about every like. This is always my hope with marquee characters. I don't necessarily need them all to be gr- like greatest hits. I don't need them all to be awesome. I just want no. them all to be decent. Like, mm-hmm. don't make me embarrassed about like. That's one thing that's great about this cycle. Really, is that none of these cards are embarrassing.
0: Uh well I mean Nylea is pretty
1: are ones that bad. are better than others, but even even Nylea isn't like isn't unplayable garbage. Eee, I, okay. I know I'm more forgiving than you are on cards.
0: Right? Nylea is isn't unplayable garbage if you've been playing for like less than 6 months.
1: <laughs> sure. Like as far as like if I show you this is the intro pack here are these 15 cards, you're going to look at that and go, "All right, all 15 of these cards are fine. They're all on scale between there's no there's no stinker in this pack, sure, yeah I feel like we've I feel like we've wrapped this up the the God's are a cool cycle for it's weird for me to think that there are so not just magic players that weren't playing during this, but so many magic players mm mm-hmm. these are like I can't think of any well I don't see as many of these as I used to. I still see. Let's see. I gotta look at, I'm looking through the list real quick. I have seen. Eh.
0: I see. I see a lot of these fairly often. I'll, I'll say that I see at least a third of these fairly often.
1: Thassa, Puff, Puff. I play Farika. He plays. Yeah, I probably see between a third and half of them any given Sunday. Like,
0: which for a cycle that's in the double digits, that's pretty good.
1: Yeah, like seeing like half of your cards are. And and we even said that really, like, the first nine of the – of, like, one through nine are all good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is a a neat cycle of cards and kind of a fun little throwback review.
0: Yeah, I'm oh, – I'm sorry. I'm, it's late for me. Um, I am very excited to see what they do with these gods in Amonket. Like, I'm, I'm very excited to see – talking about this list – has made me excited for gods again. So I I want to see what they do for the Amonkhet gods. Pretty bad now.
1: Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be a fun, like... I'm really kind of excited for Amonkhet.
0: Mm. The other thing worth noting about this, uh, this cycle is that every single one of these was tried as a general. Oh, yeah. Not a single one of these guys got put on the bench right away. Everyone tried most people tried like 4 or 5 of these as generals and every single one of these generals has been made into a deck by someone
1: yeah like i'm i'm counting yeah most people have tried uh, some, especially when these came out, a non-zero mm-hmm. one of them, because it's just like, this is cool, and, and there's something about saying, this is the creature type god.
0: Yeah, the best thing about playing any of these uh, cards as your commander was being able to play Cavern of Souls and name your creature type as Uncounterable God. Yeah. It's just, it's
1: a, it's a, it's a cool cycle of old cards. And I Mm -hmm. now appreciate them letting us go on for an hour plus about this nostalgia (sighs) trip. I don't know if I'll call this bat. Like this is either the gauntlet or nostalgia cycles, but I don't know what I'll call this yet.
0: (laughs) All right. And on that note, I think it's time for us to wrap things up
1: it is um if you are looking to get a hold of me my email is noel n o l e c l a u s o n at gmail dot com i'm also on the twitters at at m t g
0: uh, I'm Eric, and I can't stop yawning. Uh, I am Eric Bonvie at gmail.com, E R I C B O N V I E at gmail.com. Uh, you can get a hold of me at that Bonvie guy on Twitter or at our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Rivals Duel or in CommanderCast Cast in the comments below.
1: Yep, and if you're looking for an RSS feed for the show, which I promise I will get working again, it is feeds.feedburner.com slash Rivals Duel.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to catch more of me, please, please, please go on MTGcast or CommanderSociety.com and check out my friend's new podcast, uh, Snow Covered Lands. I would really, really appreciate you giving it a listen just to to give him an honest shot at uh, getting his new podcast off the ground. It's, it's quite good. He has a voice for radio much more so than I do, and uh, I, I really enjoy recording with him.
1: All right. So we will, with that... Please you all to do and see you again in two weeks yep
0: see you then thanks for listening